Will you outlast your money? Do you stay awake at night worrying about providing for your family? Are you making the right decisions about your investments? There are many life-changing decisions that arise and questions you want answered when going through divorce or after you've received your settlement. This is the Financially Ever After podcast, where you'll hear stories of women like you and get advice from the industry's top professionals. Here's your award-winning and nationally recognized host, Stacey Francis. Our guest today, Catherine Miller, is the founder of the Miller Law Group, as well as the director and training of the Center for Understanding and Conflict. She's been working in the area of family law for more than 30 years, both as a mediator as well as an advocate. You may have heard her before. She has a radio show and podcast called Divorce Dialogues, and she's the co-author of the number one Amazon bestseller, A Cup of Coffee with 10 of the Top Divorce Attorneys in the United States. She's also the author of The New Yorker's Guide to Collaborative Divorce and has had many media appearances on CBS, NBC, as well as in The New York Times, Newsday, Money Magazine, and, and more. But what's most important about Catherine is that she is a fierce advocate for individuals to travel through the divorce process and come out as whole and healthy as possible. She herself went through divorce and learned greatly from that experience of yet, even though being part of a high conflict divorce, understanding the benefits of being able to sit at a table together to find a solution that works for both of them and their entire family. Catherine talks to us about deciding to divorce. Should you get a divorce? When should you get a divorce? And if so, how should you prepare? This becomes more complicated in the time of COVID, where there are many more issues to think about with regards to children and social distancing and your beliefs of going to school in person versus after-school playgroups. There are many more topics, potential conflicts to have, but yet now more than ever, working together as a family for a solution is more important. I'm so excited to have Catherine here, and I know that you'll benefit from this podcast as many others will too. So without further ado, I'd like to welcome Catherine Miller. So Catherine, thank you for coming to the show today. And I'm always curious about your personal journey because not many people as a little girl think about, I want to become a matrimonial attorney. I know that that's not something I ever really thought about of becoming a divorce financial analyst, but tell me more about how did you find this field? Did it find you? You know, what did that look like? Well, it's really an interesting story, Stacey. I went to law school because I was interested in justice. And I figured out in the first orientation week, that's not what law school was going to be about. But I didn't have a plan B. So I thought, all right, well, I come from a family of psychologists. And I've always been interested in people. So I spent my law school career focused on the law as it intersects with people in their personal lives. And I don't mean criminal law, that obviously intersects a lot in your personal life and your personal freedoms, but I really meant for people living their lives, divorce and estates and those kinds of things where the intersection of the law and people in their personal lives. 
And when I got out of law school, I thought, you know, I really want to pursue matrimonial law, family law around the area of families. And I did. And I did that in a sort of much more traditional setting for about 10 years. Uh, We had our half our practice was child welfare litigation, which is one way of looking at the family, right? And the other was matrimonial litigation, divorces, and that kind of thing. And after about 10 years of doing that, well, right in the beginning, after about two years of doing that, I took a mediation training because I thought, you know, there has to be a better way to help my clients resolve these conflicts because I saw I was in court pretty much every day between those two practice areas. And it really occurred to me that the courtroom is a very bad place for families. And so I took this mediation training and I thought, you know, I'm going to try to integrate these mediative ideas into my divorce negotiations, because of course, most divorce cases in New York settle before a trial. And so I ran into the problem was, is that I ran into the same problem in every single case. And that problem was the other lawyer. And this isn't to say that they were bad people or bad lawyers or, you know, somehow evil. (laughs) It's really to say that we just couldn't get on the same page on what the the correct criteria were to help these people resolve the issues that they needed to resolve in order to separate and move on with their lives. I wanted to do it in an interest-based perspective, and the other lawyers really were making a legal argument, and it was just not easy. And after about 10 years of that, I was getting divorced myself, and I had two little kids, and I was really worried about my children, that they would be caught up in a divorce litigation in a, in, a, in a formal process that would take years and years where there would be lots of conflict and they would have an attorney assigned to represent them, a forensic evaluation. I was like, you know what? I can't do that. And actually, my ex-husband and I resolved our divorce in a fairly collaborative way, but it was not easy. And I'm not saying it was all what was fine. We just sat down together and figured out who was going to get the furniture. No. It was very hard and it was quite high conflict. And yet we were able to sit down at a conference table with our attorneys and work it out in a relatively short and inexpensive way. And I thought after that, listen, I can't do this litigation thing anymore. And I quit my job and I thought I'm actually going to have to do something other than be a lawyer because there's no way for me to be a lawyer with the core values that I have and the things that I want to do to help families transition in a humane way, based on what's important to them personally, not necessarily the law, though I'm not saying that's irrelevant. And so I looked around for other things to do with my life. I got remarried. I had another child. And then uh, somebody, I took another mediation training and somebody invited me to take a collaborative law training. And those things all together, I had this sort of light bulb moment. You know what? I might really be able to help people get divorced without having to go to court in a way that makes sense for them and move on with their lives in a, in a dignified way, in a way that they can show up as parents. So that's how I got into this. And it's definitely, I did not look into the mirror as a 10 year old and think I am going to be a divorce lawyer. <laughs> yeah. um, but it is, it is definitely connected to the way that I grew up and what my, my personal values are. Well, I really want to say thank you for sharing your experience the fact that you actually have been through the divorce process and getting to that point of deciding, I want a divorce. And that's what we're talking about today. For so many people, our lives have been turned upside down. 
they've been turned upside down, whether it's professionally or with our children and our home life. And it can be really confusing to put things into buckets and know that is what's going on in my marriage because my marriage is not healthy or is it because of what's the outside influence? And I'm seeing so many women really struggling with that question of, should I get divorced? How would you advise them, especially because you've, you know, walked down this path too, and you had to come to that decision as well? Yeah. And I think there's, there are people are not all in the same category, Stacey, right? So I think you have to divide it up into, this is certainly something you should consider seriously and maybe want to work on a little bit more or something in between. So like for me, when I start, I had a sort of, I went, I went to a college reunion. I was married, right? I've been married about 10 years, nine years and went to a college reunion. And I thought, you know what? I'm in trouble. (laughs) My marriage is in trouble, which I hadn't really been thinking about. I've been denying it all, all along. I've been denying it because I didn't want to think that. I was the first person to get divorced in my family. And my grandmother told me before I got married, I could never get divorced because in her words, family comes first. So this is not like in my family culture. And for me, I realized that the idea of growing old with my husband, my first husband, filled me with dread. You know, that I would be alone with him, like in, in conflict all the time and without the distraction of my children at home. You know, for me, I, I just realized I married the wrong person. You know, it was, there were a lot of great things about him and super, super smart and funny and good looking. And, you know, we traveled really well together. There were things that were great, but the, we didn't really have a connection that I thought was going to be sustainable throughout my life. And I, and I was like, I want to be with a partner who I can have that emotional intimacy, who I want to be with when the kids aren't there, right? Like that I have that commonality. And so it just seemed like an empty future. And I realized I married the wrong person. And if, if I think for people who realize that they married the wrong person, there's not that much you can do to make that person the right person. And, you know, like one of the things that I'd say to my clients all the time, and I say this to them because this is true for me, is when you think back to your first date, the reason that you ended up getting divorced was apparent on your first date. You just weren't willing to see it. I wasn't willing to see it, but I thought things would change. It would be different. It would be, I was carried along in the romance of it and all of that sort of stuff. And yet at the end of the day, like this just was never going to work out. I don't think that's everybody by a long shot. Yeah. You know, but I think that's something you have to just ask yourself, did I marry the wrong person? One group of people. So Catherine, do you have clients that come in that ask you, should I get a divorce? What do you think? How do you navigate that? Yeah. So I think that's a, that's a tough question. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, there are different ones. Like what, well, A, what, what, brings you, what brings you to ask that question, right? right? What is it that's going on in your mind? Because a lot of times, Okay, so that's, you know, a one group of people that I just described like myself. But then sometimes there's a group of people who are just fighting all the time, right? They're fighting all the time or they're not talking all the time, right? So it's one extreme or the other. It's, you know, fighting, 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 or they can't find a way to even talk, uh-huh. right? And in that situation, maybe there's an opportunity to work with a facilitator, right? a counselor, a marriage coach even uh-huh. a mediator, a family mediator to help engage a conversation. Because I think 
they're missing each other, right? And so you just grow far and far and far apart. And a lot of people who come in and talk to, to us have really just not been talking. They've just been managing the kids. They've just, they're leading a parallel life and they haven't been able to find each other in that parallel life and, and getting some help. But you know, divorce is not an easy thing to go through. And I think that everybody who's considering it should go to counseling to make sure that the decision to divorce is the right decision because it's really tragic when people look back on it years later and think, you know what, I really, we really could have worked on it. You want to know. Mm-hmm. You want to know that you did everything you could do. So that's one group of people, either not talking at all or conflict all the time, need some way to see, do they want to find a way to be able to communicate more effectively and, and get their marriage back on track? And then there's a group of people where something has happened. And the something happened is an extramarital affair or a financial indiscretion, right? Mm-hmm. Or so- something like that. I'm sure you see that all the time too, where there's a sort of like a bombshell, And the bombshell could land in what seemed to be a happy marriage. It could land in the midst of a highly conflictual or emotionally barren, you know, situation, or it could land in I'm just not with the right person situation. It kind of lands anywhere it wants, like bombs do. Mm -hmm. And that's a big decision. Like, how can you work to a place of forgiveness? And I don't mean this in some preachy way, like that you necessarily should. I think it's important to be able to work to a place of acceptance and and personal serenity, but not necessarily forgiveness. Yeah. You know, so because yeah. I think I don't want it to eat people up. And so then I think that's a whole that adds this, another layer onto the decision, Stacey, which is can I get over this? Right. Yeah. Or and, and what whether or not the person is the the perpetrator or the I hate this word, but victim of it right? Is like, even if you did this, like, can I get over this myself? Like, am I, if I had an affair, I- am I going to really be able to let go of that and go back to my marriage? Or what does that mean about me and about our relationship that makes it not work so well? So yeah. this is very complicated. And I think sort of sorting through whether or not someone wants to go back to something that was happier and was it really happier? or move forward and transition and look for a new partner or be willing to live your life. And many people prefer to live on their own. You know, the the studies show that the happiest people are married men and single women. And so really, even though that is maybe what we traditionally think about, that's kind of, yeah. I mean, all those sex in the city episodes, Carrie was always complaining about being single. (laughs) (laughs) And then she married Mr. Big. And I remember that that didn't always go so well either. But so if someone has decided that, you know what, I'm ready to investigate if this is the right move to separate or divorce. And they've, they've done the things that you've said of, of really self-reflection and gone to therapy. What are the things they need to think about? And in particular, I think there's more apprehension to start this process now than there is in normal times because you have COVID labored on top, which, you know, has all the implications of my children are already dealing with a different schedule for maybe school. Does it matter if I go through collaborative or mediation that the courts are not working in the same capacity that they normally do? So what are the things you need to think about just in general? And are there any tweaks or additional pieces or considerations you should think about because of COVID? Yeah. So 
first of all, I just want to say that a lot of people, when they think about divorce, think about Kramer versus Kramer, the War of the Roses, or they yeah. had a terrible experience of divorce as children. And, you know, they're really reluctant to enter into something like that, which is so disruptive and costly emotionally and financially. And listen, it doesn't have to be that way. It really doesn't. It can be more along the lines of a conscious uncoupling, whatever you think of that phrase. Mm -hmm. I think that it is a very sort of evolved and, and modern way to think about transition. And if you think about this idea of marriage lasting until death do us part, people didn't live as long then. I mean, I mean that quite seriously, yeah. that the length of time that was expected was just so much shorter than it is now. And people change. Now, Margaret Mead said at the end of her life, somebody asked her how she felt about having three failed marriages. She was divorced three times. And she said, I don't think I had any failed marriages. I had three marriages that ran their course and ended. And so I think right off the bat, if you think about it that way, that yeah. really brings a lot of the, you know, the, oh, the angst down and the, and the anxiety and the fear. And say, this is a, this is a shared problem that we need to figure out as a family. And I think that's that much more true in, in, in the COVID era, because there are not as many options in terms of a speedy re response time that we have in, in normal times. And it, it really forces people to think more proactively and more carefully about how they're going to make the decisions that they need to make both to divorce and the decisions that they need to make as they go through the divorce. And also from a parenting perspective, if you're dealing with children, young children who are going to be going back and forth between homes or you're going to share a home and you go back and forth and the children stay in the one place and what we often call nesting, you have to be thinking about having a shared protocol about social distancing and and you know what's appropriate contact and and what's not what's inappropriate contact and that can be very conflictual parents can mm -hmm. really disagree about that and we've seen a lot of that but also we can put on our thinking caps and figure out a way that really makes sense that both people can agree to if we're doing it in a in a thoughtful careful way I mean, the, mm -hmm. the questions that come up in COVID are there all the time they're just amplified yeah and they're bigger and yeah and more intense by this pandemic. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. One of the words that you talked about with Margaret Mead is that she was asked about her three failed marriages. And I think a lot of women still have that stigma of that it's a failure, that it's a failure. Can you talk to that of, you know, even what your grandma said, like, we stay married? Yeah. So I think it's a cultural thing, Stacey, in a way. Like my, what my grandmother meant, she meant you do whatever it takes. If it means being an alcoholic, being a drug addict, having affairs with whoever you want. Well, I'm not willing to live that way. Those are not my values. And if I have to think what my values are, and I think this is true for other people, you know, my values are inconsistent with some of the things that she thought were, were more important, were less important than staying married, right? Yeah. And, yeah. and and I think that people can co-parent children from different, like from a more modern family. So many people these days are having children outside of wedlock. 
you know, there and and the the interesting idea of what does what is a family? Because I still think that my ex husband is part of my family because he's the father of my older children, right? And so if I think about it that way, I think it's more of an evolution, and it just we grew to a place where it just wasn't right for us to be together anymore. And I yeah. think that is true. And I don't think that my words are going to make necessarily a difference for someone who thinks that this is a failure, but it's not necessarily what's intended to make something work that isn't working. If you uh-huh. can't, if it's not going to work, then don't keep trying because you're going to hurt yourself, you're going to hurt your kids, and you're going to hurt other people around you as you just try to smash that square peg through the round hole. You just really answered my next question of when is the right time to divorce? Because there are people that have milestones when the kids go to college, when so-and-so is out of high school, when blah, 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 blah. But those are not what really should be dictating. So if someone has decided, I'm ready to move forward, I'm sure about that. What are the first things that they should do when they're deciding about divorcing? Well, I think there are really three things. One is they should get their things in order, right? So they should start <laughs> exactly. gathering, right? Their, their financial house in order. <laughs> right? They should get their financial house in order, which is not to say that you necessarily, let's say there's a spat or some one person doesn't know a lot about financial information. Well, get what you can get. Don't, don't, don't wait five years because you're waiting to get into so-and-so's locked file cabinet. That's not necessary. We can get that information as part of the divorce paper, but uh, pr- process. But get together what you can, your, your last few tax returns, your credit card statements, your bank statements, any investment accounts or retirement accounts, mortgage statements, any other credit cards, you know, everything that you, is financial in your life. And that includes assets and liabilities and income and outflow, right? So and expenses. I mean, and, and so I think that's really important. I think another thing is to get some emotional support and mm-hmm. be that a coach or a therapist or a support yeah. group. But don't rely on your sister or your best friend because that person is going to run out of patience. I think you want someone who really is professional, who has been through this with other people before and has some degree of objectivity, whereas your sister or your best friend or your brother or whatever, you know, they're going to be, you know, egging you on in some ways that I think won't be helpful. Yeah. And I, I mean, no disrespect to the sisters or the best friends out there. I just think that a professional and it doesn't have to be that expensive, a, a you know, support group, you know, where they're, it's really, really very affordable, but they're, it's facilitated by a professional and there's a group of people who are similarly situated. I think having emotional support is really good. Yeah. And then I think that it's important to really think through the process options, you know, whether or not mediation is an option, a collaborative law is an option. So I think it's important to talk to some lawyers and, and don't just talk to one person talk to a number of people, I think at least three, make the appointments, look at the website, see what they send you and go to those appointments, even if you love the first person, because people have different perspectives and will have different advice for you. And then really consider what your options are and make a choice. And I I just, it's very tempting to feel a lot of anxiety and fear about the divorce process and just want to make a decision. Let's just make a decision and then I can hand over to my lawyer, you know, all this anxiety. And it's very tempting to do that, like with the first person you meet. But it, that is, I think, uh, deceptively simple. And so really 
choose the person who's going to really be a good match for you in terms of their experience and also their personality and their way of working with what you need and what you want. That makes sense. So we've talked about a lot. If you were to give any tips or examples of someone who came to you, not using names, but that really was struggling with some of these things, you, know, you shared a little bit about your own divorce of even though it was high, high conflict, you're able to sit at that table and work through. Have there been clients too that came to you that from the outset, they just really never thought that they would be able to deal with their soon-to-be ex, but yet they were able to go through the process and come out the other side in a relatively, I don't want to say amicable because that's not the right word, but in a way where they were able to work together towards the end. Many, many people, you know, and I'm going to put this together with a question I think you were sort of asking before about the timing, right? And how that impacts the children. A number of years ago, I had a client come in and she thought she had a very happy marriage. She spent a lot of time with her husband. They had a great sex life. They seemed to be the perfect couple. And then she got a phone call from her husband's girlfriend saying, hey, your husband and I are having an affair. And not only that, but your husband has been a a serial adulterer your entire marriage. Now, this is not an uncommon story. I, I, I tell you this story, but I've had quite a few clients with this very same story. And this person thought, you know what, I'm going to really stick it out until my kids graduate high school. And that was going to be a few years. And I said to her, I really appreciate your desire to do that for your kids, but I don't think you're going to be able to do it under these circumstances. And I think it's going to drive you crazy. She's like, no, thank you so much. And of course, a few months later, she was back and she said, you know what, I, I can't. <laughs> I can't keep living like this, you know, with this sort of this lie, right? And and despite that, people have really been able to work in the collaborative process. I think that kind of situation requires a little bit more support than mediation Mm -hmm. often provides and reach an agreement that was really worked for them. It was quite creative. And that's true. I can think of actually just off the top of my head, four clients I've had with very similar stories. It worked out exactly like that that they were, mm-hmm. they wanted to wait for a reason for a period of time. They, you know, they prepared themselves to say, this is, listen, I found this out and this is what's going on and got to a very good result that worked both for my client and also for the family as a whole, right? Because it doesn't yeah. work. It doesn't work for any one person. If it doesn't work also for the other person, because it won't work, right? Like, yeah. it, won't, it won't work out. And so I think, you know, to try to separate out your feelings and your reactions from what's possible and get help to do that, get help to do it because no one could do it by themselves. I hired a lawyer to help me when I was getting divorced and I am a divorce lawyer. I didn't think I could do it myself and I couldn't. Yeah. Yeah. I can't thank you enough. This was really so insightful and you are able to blend your personal experience with being a professional. And so helpful. How do our listeners reach out to you? Do you want to share your website? And so our website, we work in New York City and in Westchester. But our website is www.westchesterfamilylaw.com. Westchesterfamilylaw.com. And our main number for both offices is nine one four seven three eight seven seven six five. That's great. 
for everyone listening. We will put that in the show notes, a link both to Catherine's website as well as to her phone number so that you can reach out to them to find out a little bit more, particularly about the collaborative and the mediation process. I know that her website has some great resources explaining what that looks like and what that process is. And so thank you, Catherine, for joining us today. It went so fast, but we got through a lot. My pleasure, Stacey. Thanks for inviting me. Thank you for joining us on Financially Ever After today. I know you enjoyed hearing Catherine speak from her heart about divorce, how difficult it is, but that women who are contemplating divorce can move through the process in a way that is helpful for the entire family. There's so much that we're all dealing with these days. Many of us, our lives have been turned upside down with COVID, changes to our working life, changes to our home life. And the one thing that truly binds us all is that the level of anxiety and stress is much higher than it's been for many of us in many, many years. And coupling that with a uncoupling can make things even more difficult. So my advice to you, and I'm sure Catherine's advice to you, is to tread through this process, making sure that you have a team, the right attorney to represent you and hold your hand along the way, as well as a therapist and mental health support to make sure that through all the stress and anxiety that you have the support you need to make good decisions that are going to impact you not only this year or next, but for many years to come. And if you have questions about your finances, I beg you, please do get that education and information, whether that's from us or another resource. It is a high priority. The largest segment of women living in poverty over age 65, it pains me to tell you that it is women who have been divorced who are single and living on their own. So make sure that the decisions you make about your finances are smart decisions that will set you up for financial success for the rest of your life. And if you have questions about that, please reach out to me. You can reach me at Stacy S-T-A-C-Y, at francisfinancial.com. And you can visit our website, www.francisfinancial.com. Thank you for joining us and we'll see you in two weeks.